Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Everyone thinks I had a storybook career, that I just sprang into Disney Channel stardom overnight, made millions, and lived happily ever after. Spoiler alert, I didn't. There were countless failures along the way, and there still are. How I deal with that struggle and how I pivot when failure creeps in is what allows me to keep going, keep learning, and keep striving for balance. The Vulnerable Podcast is an invitation to hang out every week with me, Christy Carlson Romano, as I invite friends, celebrities, and experts for in-depth conversations discussing the good, the complicated, the beauty of being human, and what it means to be vulnerable. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate the ups and downs of my guests' paths to success. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. It's been a little while since we've had an existential crisis in Wales, but they're never too far away, are they? And uh, sure enough, uh, we couldn't get to the season without one. Um, so we're uh, going to be dedicating the bulk of this podcast to that. Um, we uh, the, the story, of course, we're referring to is this uh, the, the Oakwell report uh, that has um, made its way into the press this week, uh, in no small part thanks to our good friend Steph Thomas, uh, who was on the show last week. And um, yeah, Steph will be joining us uh, soon, but he, he failed a late fitness test today, um, probably due to uh, due to exhaustion this week, I, uh, I imagine. Uh, so we brought back another uh, uh, another friend of ours uh, from uh, from West Wales. So we've got, uh, we've got Matt Jones with us. How you doing, Matt? How's it going, guys? Yeah, I'm your West Wales quoter, am I? 
this is it. We've got, we've got, to, be, got to be very careful of these things, you know. Obviously, you definitely uh, need a quota uh, on you because it's, <laughs> it's so east. It's so uh, it's so east Wales. Half of it is in London. That's how far east it is. It's it's so it's so 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 east Wales that we're uh, yeah we're we're on the outskirts of the M25. So um, yeah, that's, uh, it's good to good to drag it back, Matt. And uh, of course that uh, that beautiful Cardiff accent that you can hear there is uh, the the most the most Cardiff sounding man in the world, the mighty Murph. How are you doing, Murph? I'm taking that as a compliment. Uh, Oh, good, thanks. Oh, yeah. As well it should. Yeah. Um, so some people say I am got. I don't know. Maybe it's the company I'm in. Some people say I haven't got much of an accent for Cardiff, but I think that's you probably. Do. <laughs> yeah. When I, I promise get, you, Murph, you do. When I get going, you know, when I have to say more than three words in a row, then it comes to the surface. But um, so long as I stay away from the words uh, "point of dark." Uh, at the Arms Park and <laughs> all those kind of, uh, <laughs> fine, <laughs> absolutely fine. Don't sound, I sound like I'm from, I don't know, uh, the Vale of Morgan or something, I don't know. There we go. Right. Well, um, small talk done <laughs> yeah. let's uh, let's let's get into the let's get into the meat um we've we've had some listeners questions come in as well and uh, we will we will take a look at those um i suppose the first the first thing uh, i'll throw this one at you matt is um were you particularly shocked when you uh, when you kind of read through the headlines of this report? I suppose not shocked, but just frustrated. The usual frustrations in terms of Welsh rugby, and if you, I should probably say allegedly, shouldn't I? Before I say anything else, so everything that follows what I'm going to say now follows the word allegedly. But lo- looking at what's been you know reported in the press, am I right in saying they spent as little as 25 grand on this report because you know yeah, yeah it's you're absolutely right I, i've worked with you know big big fours and stuff like that right you don't get a cup of coffee for 25 grand i did look do a bit of research into this Oakwell sports advisory and they list their clients as people like the scottish union not great and derby county who are in a financial crisis so not great from um that perspective but just looking at it it just feels like they've done a a quick sort of income and expenditure piece on Welsh rugby and kind of worked out that dividing the cake between three rather than four gives you a bit more money. It just makes, it's, it's just absolute nonsense. And when, you know, when the proposals is the Scarless Ospreys piece, and obviously as a, as a passionate Turk and a season ticket holder, it, it worries me that they've just worked on the principle that if you merge both teams, you'll double your fan base. You'll double your, you know, season ticket sales, but you just won't because Turks won't travel east and Jacks won't travel west across the Lucha Bridge. It isn't, it isn't going to happen. It just seems so simplistic in their approach. And I'm sure you, you guys are aware. You know, what was it, in 2003, 2004, Connacht were going to go. You know, if Connacht mm-hmm. had gone, you know, if you just think about how many players have come through the Connacht ranks in the last 20 years, if Ireland had done would have done that that did you know lost numerous players within their sort of like processes as, as a result of it the, the 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 other thing is that in my eyes if they rebrand an osprey's dragon uh, um an osprey's scarlet amalgamation right whatever that new rebrand is nobody will like it nobody mm. will turn up there'll be no synergy there'll be no sort of bond between the the fan base and that new entity and within two years we'll be down to just dragons and and, and, and cardiff because nobody will be turning up to to watch them and i think they've said in the report that the ospreys are at risk because of the fact that they don't own their uh, their own ground and then obviously they're talking about dragons because obviously they've been the core relation 
you don't need to do a report to know that. Any Welsh fan could have told you that. And if you're going to bring in something like this without restructuring, it makes absolute no sense. And I'm allowed to go into a rant yet, Jed, or does Murph want to come in? Because I could no. just rant for hours keep, on this one. Keep Shall going, I keep sir, going? Right. Totally okay. you. So my point of view, right, is you've got to restructure first before you make any changes. And that's the, the game as a whole. So, you know, underneath that sort of professional layer, you've got to look at the club structure. It's pathetic at the minute. You've got to, for me, I would go Premiership, Championship. Then I'd go old school, right, and have a flat structure, bring in divisions where people are just playing against local sides because the pyramid structure we've got at the minute forces clubs that don't have the money to spend money on mediocrity just to avoid relegation. I think it's absolutely um, pathetic from, from that perspective. And it shouldn't be a case of, you know, a glass ceiling. If somebody wants to go from their division into the championship, they can apply and you can look at things like youth structure, you can look at attendances, um, club engagement with, with the community and so forth as, as measures of whether you can move up into the championship. Because that's what people want. People want local derbies. You know, you, you, it's, it's not about going from Division 3 to Division 2 when, <clears throat> when, you're, when you're that low down in, in the pyramid. You get away fans going to local games. The club would become part of the community again. And you, you could then link that in with, with the youth rugby side of things, because there was an announcement, obviously, this week about taking the youth from under 20s to under 18s. Now, from I remember when I went like, as a 16-year-old into youth, and the jump was massive, right? And it was too much. But again, short-term thinking by the WRU, what they should have done is brought in an under-17s and an under-18s, and then possibly youth structure. Because the gap between 16 and 18 is still big. But all of this should be linked in with the structure below. So you should be thinking things like you shouldn't be allowed to have a license to have, have a senior team unless you've got a youth structure. And then you get these negative people saying, oh, well, that's not going to work because there's not enough kids who want to play rugby, which is an absolute load of rubbish. It would force the clubs to engage with the schools, engage with the local communities. The other bit I would do if we're going to do all this restructuring, and this might be a controversial one, I'd get rid of the 60 cap rule because if we can't afford to keep players in Wales, if they can get jobs in England and France still play for Wales, I would do it. Now, every single Welsh fan would want the best talent in Wales. I get that. I want to see the best West Walians playing for the Scarlets week in, week out. But if you can't afford it, something has to give. And you can't just say, I want, want everything. And for me, I'd rather see maybe eight, nine of our highest paid players playing in England, playing in France, because that would save you the need to lose potentially... the. The, some, a, a team like the Dragons. We've also seen people like Dan Bigger going to England and improving. We've also seen people like Chris Carey coming back to, to Wales and not playing as well as he was in England. Nick Tompkins had that year with the Dragons. He was rubbish. He's back with the Sarancisms now and he's playing fantastically well. And my final point on all this, and I, again, I'm making some assumptions here, right? But I bet you there's nothing in there about fan engagement. There's a brick wall between the union and the fans. Now, you don't need to go very far to see how things can change. You look at what's happened in the football, right? 20 years ago, 25 years ago, Welsh football was in the same position as Welsh rugby. A total disengagement between the fan base uh, and, and the football association. Especially if you go back to you know, the, how they messed around with Terry Orrath and things like that. I was dreadful how they managed the situation. But in the last 10, 15 years, there's been a sea change, and that's down to somebody like you know Ian Gwynne Hughes who's come in from the BBC they've totally changed engagement within the football 
pyramid. If you're part of the red wall in football, you can engage with the Football Association, whether that's through social media, or frankly, if you phone up and you've got a problem with your ticket, they'll sort it out. And I won't name her, but there's somebody in the ticket office that all the Welsh fans know, you phone her up and she sorts it out for you. You cannot do that with the Welsh Rugby Union. There is a brick wall and you can't um, get through that, that, that brick wall. And all those elements have got to change. And all those things I would change first before even considering getting one of the regions. So sorry, Jed, that's my rant, but I'm just really annoyed about it. Well, thanks for listening to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. We'll be back next week where we'll just let Matt go again. There's, uh, I mean, there's there's so much to get a teeth uh, stuck into there. I want to just drill down a bit on that um, that point you made around the Premiership, the Championship, and then kind of below that having a, a much more local structure for for community rugby. Because Murph, you know a lot more about uh, about that than than I do. What do you think about you know about that as as part of a as part of a bigger restructure? Um, it gets trickier, that part of the game, the bigger your club is. Uh, clubs up the road from my club got massive engagement because all the locals feel like they own it. Um, and we, my club in particular, I, I could use other examples, obviously, but my club in particular has attracted <laughs> Cardiff rejects, the best players from the Vale of Morgan, hoovered up spare talent from uh, clubs around Cardiff who was, you know, if you're too good to play for Lanish or Orlando for whatever, you come to the Wanderers and and so on with then uh, other players who were like, for example, boys are from the lower end of the valleys who are working in Cardiff well, that somehow end up playing for us. So we, we that is the, the spot we hold. And when it comes to um, uh, the minis and juniors side of rugby, we're a bit of an island in Ely, if, if that makes any sense. So it's always, when I was in it, the, the, uh, I came from the juniors at the Wanderers and all the way through, never played for anyone else because I don't really believe in other rugby clubs. Uh, the, the junior setup in my club was awful. It, it was useless, uh, but it still churned out players who ended up being first-team players. In other periods, it's been amazing. We've had... Uh, uh, I think Corey Allen and Dan Fish were in the youth team at the same time we won the Welsh Cup and there was a huge um, junior section where we were turning people away Uh, and then all that happens is the the parents that were running that junior section their kids grow up and then their expertise disappears and it can all collapse again and you're back to square one and even when the junior section is going well and even when the junior section is poor it doesn't seem to make any difference to how many players we turn out for the seniors, if that makes any sense, because people like Dan Fish and Corey Allen were never going to play uh, for the Wanderers, not for long anyway. Um, so it's complex. And um, some clubs, uh, I don't want to name them because they've been in the news this week or last week, pay, uh, don't do really any. Um, they're at the high end of the championship. They don't do any um, junior, uh, junior sides or any youth rugby or any. They might engage with other local clubs on that level, but they don't do anything in their own colours. Um, so, like I say, it's, it is much easier for smaller clubs to do that, especially if they, you know, like uh, are the centre of the town or village that they, they inhabit. Um, but it, it, I, don't, I don't disagree with the point. Um, it's definitely a weakness for us and a weakness in rugby. Uh, a, a lot of clubs within Cardiff, and I only know this because I have to go through uh, East District meetings. I don't. I said that as like as it was a punishment, but I go to East District meetings. Uh, complain 
that they can't field youth teams because of academies. So academies is the new, it's this era's thing. Um, all the best players will get hoovered up from every local junior section, end up in academy at either the, the region or the college. It could be, you know, sometimes they join in at Whitchurch High School around here or uh, Calfield College or whatever. And um, if you take four or five of the best players out of youth teams, suddenly all the average players fizzle out and don't want to play anymore. And that's their complaint. So it is hard, even if you want to, to keep the youth team going in this era. Um, but I, I totally agree with the point. Um, on the broader, just going back on the broader point, because it, it, it was, I'm not even sure if I can remember everything we covered, but the one, the one part about... Um, uh, restructuring regional rugby the best take i've heard this week is the wi will never get a, a a good solution in place for regional rugby until the wiu is reformed itself so i i, I yep. personally think uh, there are people in the wiu you know because it's, ju it's just basically committee men like me who've been elected to the to run the wiu that's all it is it's just blokes like me uh albeit probably better committee men than me. Uh, I believe there's people in and around the WA and on that board who hate regional rugby. I don't know what they think they're going to have instead or what they would rather have the past where mm. all the clubs were bankrupt because they couldn't afford the professional game. I don't know. But I, I, I suspect there's um, men in and around position, high positions in the WIU who hate uh, Dragons, Cardiff, uh, Ospreys, they, they just hate the whole idea. Uh, but I, I don't know what they think they're going to achieve with their standpoint. But this, but this is what it all comes down to, I think. It's, again, really interesting points in there, Murph. But it's like, you know, whatever we've been, 20 years with this now, and no one believes this is ideal. And if there was a load of money knocking around then I think every single one of us would love to see club rugby back, right? It would you know, it'd be, it'd be fantastic. But it's literally never going to happen. So that the you know we've kind of gone through twenty years of it now, and and for what? Um, you know, if you start if you start peeling it away and and reducing reducing by one, well, how long till you're down to two regions? And realistically, none of this is going to work until they're properly funded. And that money either needs to come from the private sector, which it doesn't look like it's forthcoming. You know, the dragons haven't been able, admittedly that you know the worst side in Wales haven't been able to secure. Um, you know, to secure uh, funding to, to become a private entity again. Um, or it's got to come from the union where they're properly reimbursing players, uh, you know, reimbursing the regions for the for access to the players. And, you know, it, I get it. Times, times are really tight and we've got to look at this. You've got to look at it with a proper kind of commercial hat on. But um, but there just needs to be a question to go, look, do, do we actually want this to, to work or not? And and realistically, the union has to has to ask themselves that. And, uh, and and you're absolutely right. If they do want it to work, then the very first step is that restructure, and the very first step of that is uh, is creating a clear link between, uh, sorry, severing the link between um, between community rugby and professional rugby. Because we are trying to create, you know, competitive professional leagues here, and that's not to say that community rugby doesn't matter because it really does. But the t the two things are not, um, you know, are not linked enough do you know what i mean that that it's just having having community clubs making the big decisions on the outcome of professional um of professional rugby just makes absolutely zero sense and I, I i don't see a situation where we make proper progress until that goes 
we we'll look at Scotland and look at Italy, isn't it? They've got a couple of professional teams each, and they're really struggling in terms of volume of players required um, when it comes mm. to things like the Six Nations. They might, you know, Scotland mm. have done better the last few seasons, had a few good players coming through, but they haven't got the depth in talent. We go down to two. We'll still have our sort of, um, you know, Fijian props and our um, Tongan back rowers. So you've got even less um, to choose from. And that's the, that's a really difficult one when you're not all sort of like synergized looking in the same direction. Because even if you look at, you know, the Scarlets this season, Calamophony, um, Lucy and so forth have been our, our best players. So from a selfish perspective, some of these foreign players, they play week in, week out. You've got, Cardiff, who've signed Falatau, Liam Williams for next season. How many games are they going to actually play? And and that's the sort of the ju- juxtaposition between the the regional game and the and the the national demands on, on these players that you're always struggling with. But for me, you cut down to three, and in three or four years' time, without reform, we'll have the same conversation, and they'll be talking about cutting down to two, and it'll be East East Wales and West Wales, which is, I think, what Moffat wanted, wasn't it, when he first um, started talking about pro- the, the professional game and so forth, and yeah. there'll just be, there'll be the, the, the lack but it was of... But no, wasn't in North Wales as well, in his calculation, and then, because he wasn't there from was here, he realised it wasn't, it wasn't enough people living in North Wales to sustain a, a professional regional side, so... And, and, look, I think North Wales will be mentioned this time again, and with all due respect mm. to, to North Wales as a region, the fact that you've got a couple of celebrities now owning Wrexham Football Club, I think there's going to be a massive draw towards Wrexham in mm. the next few mm. years. In mm. the same way, as obviously, you know, the Dragons got to fight professional football as well within the city, which is mm. something they didn't have to do, so, like, you know... 10, 10 years ago or so but for me you cut now and you cut again and coming back to the point about you know the the clubs we well people of a certain age remember the clubs you know my first season ticket was with Llanelli I remember my first game late 80s Llanelli Bridgend absolutely amazing sucks you in doesn't leave you sort of thing but if you're under 30 or roughly about 30 you know you're yeah. not going to remember professional clubs are you it's, it's all no. about the regional game yeah. so Again, what are people thinking about in terms of their audience and the audience for the future? We've invested 20 years into yeah. this structure. Mm-hmm. A fifth of a century has been invested into it. And mm-hmm. even Stuart Barnes, I was reading something a couple of days ago, harping on about the you know, professional clubs and so forth. We'd love that. We'd love 12 professional clubs in Wales and fighting each other week in, week out. It would be amazing. Mm. I remember as a kid, you know, you'd go down the Knoll, you'd go down St. Helens and stuff. You'd yeah. go to the away games, which you don't really do anymore when you're following regional games. If you might, you know, I'll, I'll have one trip to France every year watching the Scarlets and so forth. And that's it. It's, it's totally different in terms of mentality. But it's the audience. And we've got to be thinking about the, the new generation coming through. And that's not going back to a club structure. So no. And they don't, and you're exactly no, you're exactly right. And the thing that that I think illustrates this the most, right, is I know there is a lot of you know there's a lot of stick whenever the valleys are mentioned uh, in relation to um, to professional rugby and regional rugby and stuff like that. And you know we've we've said it before, you're never going to get Ponty uh, diehard Ponty fans ever supporting a team based in Cardiff, right? But there's enough bloody players playing for Cardiff who've come from Ponty. You know that's the that's the thing, and I'm not saying that's right. And again, I, you know, I, if the, if there was enough money, I'd love to see a region in um, in the valleys as well. But the, that that just kind of goes to show you that those those kids have have grown up and are now playing for Cardiff. That that's the, you know they're, they're not going to be held back by a, a club allegiance to a club that isn't you know isn't 
as visible as it as it once was and isn't a professional entity anymore. And I think that that's you know it's not it's not perfect regional rugby. It, nope. It's not, but it's like but it's the having invested as you said twenty years into it. Do you want it to work, or do you just do you just want to go? Well, let's you know, let's let's wind it down, and we'll end up like you know, um, I, I'm trying to think now. But yeah, kind of like Argentina, you know, all your players yeah, play yeah, abroad yeah. now, and and that's and that's what we'll have, and we'll just have the national team. And I don't know, part of you think, part of you wonders, well, do the do the uh, to the union even care? You know, would that would that would that work for them? Yeah, the um, the Pontypridd or Valley's rugby situation is potentially about to get worse because of the proposed restructuring of the premiership where they cut it down to eight or nine teams which means two from two teams from each region in the premiership and then the rest are in the championship with my club um the 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 sums there are uh the, the, the three premiership clubs in in uh cardiff region is cardiff pontypreed merthyr one of those has got to drop out uh the, the best way to do it would be for Cardiff to drop out because Cardiff already exists as a regional side and likewise Newport and Newport, Newport and the Dragons, but then the name Newport disappears from, uh, well, disappears into the championship, not out of existence, but into the championship, but from top flight rugby, as it were. And the same um, for uh, the Scarless region because uh, they've got um, Landavry, Kamal and Quinns and Clefi. So I don't know, I, I, I don't know if, if that's officially announced yet, I might have just <laughs> grasped up the WIU. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I think we've all. I think we've all heard. Yeah, all the rumours out, but it's not. It's not official. It, it was, I yeah. think it was supposed to be official a few weeks ago, but the press officer was on a day off, and um, nothing actually got announced. But it's 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 in its final throes, from what I can tell. That decision. So that's going to make uh, even more rugby dinosaurs pissed off in the valleys and you have to remember that you know us our age and um the type of people who are still uh cheesed off with the loss of professional rugby and polypreeth are dinosaurs because uh like you say 20 years and I, and I think I might be repeating myself but there's boys in the first team at my club who can't remember before the smartphone never mind premiership regional rugby they can't remember life without a smartphone because they're still teenage at 18 19 20 and so that's 15 years ago i think ish that the smartphone came out and so they they their life has been uh, uh this is not a good look on the podcast but face in a phone that's what you know they've they've never known any different and so if they're in that uh if if generations move on that quickly this regional thing is not even not even the older players um, in my in my uh, club remember before regional rugby, unless the you know the ones in their thirties will. But you know, um, so that's how quick time moves on with 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 uh, rugby. There's you know there's whole swathes of uh, kids who, with, let's be honest, that's the target audience for sport. Yeah. Uh, don't don't have any idea what we're talking about. They don't know what we're on about when we say well, professional clubs. They don't know. Well, this is it. Crucially, all rugby is struggling with attracting a younger audience. Yeah. It's got an increasingly aging population mm. um, and uh, an attendance base. So it's something that's it's something that's got to be that's got to be addressed. And yeah, you know, you you're right, Murph. There's you know that it's how do you how do you attract that um, that generation to to watch it? And I think we've said this before, right? And while we're talking restructuring, it's not just Welsh. It's, it's rugby as a whole has to restructure. It's mad, like you say, right? If you sign. Imagine in in football, and football is far from perfect. 
but imagine you know Manchester United or Man City signing the equivalent of um, of Toby Falate. You know when Man City signed Jack Grealish, they go, oh well, actually you can't have him for seventy five percent of the season, but you know he will be available to play Bolton in the League Cup and to play you know and to play four uh, four games at, at home throughout the whole season. Yeah. It's it's madness that there's there's too much rugby played and so much of it is 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 lacking in meaning and none more so than. The bulk of the rugby that we see in the in the in the URC. The issue there, though, is that in football the clubs generate the cash, and in rugby we, the clubs don't generate the generate the cash. Mm. Uh, as as far as um, Matthew's point about going to watch away games, um, it feels like a different time now doing that in Wales. But uh, the only way we get close to having that back is to be playing Gloucester, Bath, Bristol, mm. and then you could follow your you could follow your club for half a season just in those three fixtures, home and away. And then, and then, obviously, the Welsh Derby's on the top, uh, but they just don't need us. So why would they? That opportunity's gone, isn't it? You know, we, we all look back now when we were offered what was it, five <clears throat> slots or something in that British five, League years yeah, years ago. Uh, yeah. Could you imagine how fantastic that would have been now? And the difference is, you know, you know, the generation of funds in England is totally different because their players do go back after internationals and play straight away, and that gets people through the doors as well. So, you know. Okay, I know I'm a little bit Scarlet's biased at times, right? But you can go to Scarlet's and you can go a whole season without more or less seeing any of your stars. We all know the Liam story, right? But plenty of the other ones, you just don't see them. And the guys you watch are people like, you know, Steph Hughes, people like that, who turn out week in, week out. In England, you get the stars. So no wonder more people come through the through the turnstiles. But the, the point about Ponty very quickly, sometimes it's used as the negative, oh, Ponty get, you know, good crowds, but they're not engaged with, with the region. Well, for me, that's a positive because we want good crowds throughout Welsh rugby and we mm. want good community engagement throughout Welsh rugby. And coming back to the point we made you earlier on, and, and Murph, I, I get your point completely about the, you know youth structures and so forth, but if you kept players in rugby for longer within the youth structure, they could be more engaged with their local club and more likely to be there in the future. I was told last week there isn't a single um, um, youth team in the Almond Valley, a valley that's produced people like Gareth Edwards and Shane Williams. Mm. There isn't a single youth team I was told last week there. Yeah. And, you know, I think I'm in United with the last team to have a, have a youth team. If, if we're not going to force these clubs into properly supporting youth structure, then people are just not going to come through. And we're going to see it in so many ways, not just in terms of lack of talent coming through, but people not come through the turnstiles either. And you've got to remember, people like seeing local boys and girls playing for their team as well. Definitely. There's, a, there's a big attraction towards locals. And that's the thing. And, and local players tend to want to play for their clubs if you can give, you, if you can mm. give them the opportunities. Again, looking at the Scarlets, people, you know, your Gareth Davises, your, your Ken Owens, they're club men. They will be with those clubs for the majority, if not the, you know, the longevity of their careers because they love playing West Wales rugby. Mm. Um, and that's what you'd get having a really good structured youth system that we should be forcing on our clubs. Yeah, the only trouble is, is uh, in the old days when there was strong youth uh, teams throughout all parts of the country, the clubs weren't trying. There was no special effort being made. Youngsters were just turning up. When I was uh, playing youth rugby, there'd be a new kid turning up once a fortnight wanting to have a run out. And uh, I don't know, you know, do we blame Xboxes? I don't know what we need to blame, but you know, it, it does. It doesn't matter what you blame. It's what it's how you compete against. Yeah, it, competing it? against. You know, it's what what can what, what can I mean you is, offer, is uh, you know? clubs are not 
the clubs haven't gone lazy. They just, they, they, I suppose, they had it all their own way in the past. The kids just there was. When I was playing youth, there was no internet, so maybe, <laughs> maybe I'd have been tempted not to turn up in a piss wet Tuesday night. I don't know, but um, it's just more. There's more competition for young people's time these days, and so you're right. Forcing <laughs> is probably a word that brings me out in a bit of a rash, but <laughs> greater efforts uh, is hard. I mean, we 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 are hoping to have a youth team running again the season after ne after next season because we've got a, a, an under-15s coming through. But to keep them engaged, we're constantly having to entertain them and bloody, you know, shower them with gifts and because uh, there's a constant drag of other things uh, for their attention away from rugby. So um, that, that is, I think, where um, sport is. Just, it's just not... Uh, well, participation is a, uh, the underlying uh, problem. Um, and we're battling against this. And, and, and of course, the other thing is academies and regional setups encourage elitism. So we could end up like um, NFL, where no one plays at amateur level of, N of NFL in the States. Mm. You either make it or you don't. And then you go and, uh, I don't know what they do, shoot guns or something, whatever they, whatever they do in America. Play rugby, isn't it? Don't yeah. they try and grab some of them to play rugby? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Murph, I hear you, but that is an easy excuse as well. And apologies oh, yeah. if my language has given you a rush. But, uh, <laughs> but honestly, right... If, if we apologise for it, right, and apologise for the competing things out there, things will never get better. So I would, yeah. I would force the clubs. If they want to mm. run se a senior sides, they have to put the effort in at, at youth. There'll always be those cases where you can make special dispensations for people who can show that they've tried. I get that completely. But yeah, you yeah. can't have a whole valley, right, no, that's produced no. some of the best rugby players Wales have ever seen without a single youth team. That's just mm. fundamentally wrong. Some someone should be doing a survey of where those kids are going these days. Because, like I say, in the past, clubs weren't having to try. They were they just yeah. it was just a natural. The kids would just turn up. Um, I'd be interested to know what the <laughs> that valley where, maybe, where uh, they all go. Maybe maybe we can conduct some more research with Oakwell Sports, <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll have a whip round and get twenty five <laughs> yeah. grand into yeah. that. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. You know. Dan Killick doesn't get out of bed for twenty five grand, does he? And that's why that's that's why we haven't seen hide nor hair of him on this podcast for the last four months. Um, so on that on that beautiful note of getting a uh, getting a dig into our uh, our lesser spotted co host, uh, we're going to take a very quick break, and when we come back, we can continue to chat about this uh, this story, and uh, we'll also take a quick look back at, at some of the some of the on pitch rugby from uh, from this weekend, and we'll do all of that after this quick break. Welcome to the second half of the Attacking Scrum podcast. A, uh, I feel like this might be my turn for a for a rant now, Matt, because I'm going to I'm going to take a look at some of the listeners' questions that we've had in. Right, and this one is uh, is from Sean Hughes, and it says, "Has Wales Online been too cosy to the WRU over the last ten years?" Um, and again, like we've all you know, we all uh, read Wales Online not out of necessarily desire but there's a lot of rugby stuff on there of varying quality right and I think it's a it's an organization that's part of um you know part of what was the Trinity Mirror group they're under big commercial pressures and they you know I think all the journos down there have a very tough job and that part of it means they have to churn out some regurgitated stories and some lists and things like that and you know I think in amongst that they've got a bunch of rugby journalists who, are, who genuinely care about the game and um, and work and work really hard. My real 
problem this week um, has been the lack of any substance coming from the BBC in relation to this story. Um, you know, it's a story that's big enough to be picked up by all the all the broadsheets, you know, the UK, London orientated broadsheets for them to run it. Yet we've had 20 minutes um, on the Scrum 5 podcast. Uh, we had, you know, <clears throat> five minutes at half time during the, the Cardiff Zebra game with two current employees of uh, of uh, of regions so they're not going to say anything you know and um and then there's no scrum five this weekend you know which should be the place where um <laughs> where these kind of matters were debated the presenters are delighted they don't have to talk about rugby this weekend <laughs> well yeah i know i did i did think yeah. that when um when i when i turned on the cardiff game on friday night i bet gabby yorath was thinking god why did i why did i take this uh why did i take this yeah. gig um, but then, the, you know, they, they didn't cover it. And you, again, you go back, you go back 15 years and we all know that, you know, the Alfie, the Alfie incident and stuff like that. But Scrum 5 was appointment viewing because it tackled the big issues. Um, and, you know, it subsequently has week by week turned into the one show. And it's um, it's just that's that I just don't think is good enough. And it's the it's the fact that I can understand why you're going to need a good relationship with the union to a to a certain extent. But this, you know, this is a, a big enough story that that needs to be that needs to be covered properly. And I just think that I just think that that's that's really shortchanging fans. And I'm not a, you know, I'm I'm a massive fan of um, of the BBC uh, as as an institution as the the quality of output that it that it delivers. Um, but I just feel like that's that's something that that needs to be addressed. You know, BBC Wales Sports should be should have their hands all over this story and get into the absolute the absolute crux of it. You think back to when regional rugby began, and I, I seem to remember was it, was it maybe even a Cardiff Ponty game? But I remember um, Scott Gibbs talking about it at half time with with Eddie Butler, and it was you know, and it was like. There, there was no filter on there. You know, the, the gloves were off. They were talking about how, you know, the problems that there were going to be ahead. And um, and and I just feel like, you know, you're, you're not getting that anymore. We're kind of getting the, the cheerleading stuff around the the URC, a league that, you know, a league that, yeah, it, need, it needs its cheerleaders because it's got its problems. But I, I don't think that should be the role of... Um, of the national broadcaster, so to to me, I think you know I, I don't really have a problem with uh, with Wales Online this week unless they haven't been attributing quotes to people. Um, for me, it's it's the, the the silence from the BBC is is deafening. I leave that to you, Math. Well, do you know what? I totally agree, Jed. And what I don't get is that they've interviewed a lot of people. Ruddock, I think, was interviewed a few days ago, and it seems like a lot of people know what these six proposals are. Okay. But we've only heard one of them, I think, I'm right in saying. Now, if I was a journalist, I'd be thinking to myself, this is the biggest story that's hit Welsh rugby in a good few weeks, right? I'd want to be there, explain to everybody else, everybody, what the other five proposals are. We haven't heard them, I believe. Why has nobody got to the bottom of that? It's not been the Wales Online, it's not been on the BBC or anything like that. Even though they're interviewing people who seem to know, is it that, you know, they're not asking the right questions, they're not doing enough digging? Um, it just seems a bit shoddy uh, would, would be my take on that. And it all feels very superficial. And it's as if, let's not upset anybody. There's, you know, we've given you a little bit. Now we've moved on to, 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 to the next thing. It just seems very superficial. Um, I'm frustrated. I want to hear the other six proposals to see if they're as good as mine. And I'm pretty sure they won't be. Um, but... Um, there doesn't seem to be any appetite out there to get to the, you know, to the crux of it. But again, yeah, I just, think, I just think it comes down to, you know, what you, what you want to do with, um, 
with your with your media outlets you know you, you can keep everything as cozy as you like around games i just don't th- I, you know i don't see what that's going to what that's going to do you know all the play all the current players especially if they're employed by a region are going to be ultra cautious because they're not going to say risk anything that either slags off their employers or the or the union and i completely get that i don't blame them in that but maybe they're not the guys to book for that weekend. You know, maybe have a journalist on there who can be objective about it, well, they, um, they, or have someone who's not afraid to to, to kind of shoot their mouth. Well, they did um, by mistake. They had, they had uh, Peter Jackson on uh, a good couple of seasons ago. Now Peter Jackson came on and said a few whole mm. truths, and there was a massive response on Twitter. Like, thank God someone's <clears> asked yeah, some awful questions. But then they had him on all the time, and then he started going off piste a little bit on uh, other subjects, and stopped going on for a bit. Uh, um, but yeah, it, it, which was the only which is the only part of Scrum Five in in the last fifteen years where it kind of had and and even then he was basically just saying that that the team weren't up to it at that point, mm, wasn't yeah, it? You yeah. know, it was nothing overly controversial. It was no, just, no, no. You but weren't was, getting fed sound bites. It was just uh, not completely vanilla, which is what the rest of it is yeah. all the time. If you have current players on there too much, they're not going to yeah. say anything controversial because you know it's in their interest not to. Um, as far as BBC and Wales Online, all one of the issues with BBC is uh, it's a conflict of interest because they broadcast the matches from WIU. Not all of them, but some of them. So, well, they, they, they they've, could they've be lost, fighting. I, I could understand that five years ago, but they've lost the Autumn International. Sure, for a sure. Start. But some games get on BBC too, and maybe they just fight shy of any upset in the WIU. Not that the WIU uh, uh, swamped with buyers, I don't imagine. But uh, <laughs> um, also, Wales Online. I stopped. You know, certain apps on your phone will recommend news articles from different sources. I've blocked Wales Online on mine, mainly because it's usually um, the person who won an Oscar last week has got a grandmother from Abertrida or something like that. Then that'll be their idea of a Welsh news article. And so, therefore, my, you know, I, I uh, obviously Simon Thomas and various people there are really good um, rugby writers, but. Um, for that reason, I blocked them and I go towards the national because it's ma- things that actually matter in mm. Wales rather than some bloody celebrity gossip shite that I don't care about in the Wales online. And again, being owned by Trinity Mirror Group uh, is just means it's inherently not Welsh um, mm. in any way. Uh, so uh, I blocked it. Um, and therefore, we, there's not much... The thing is, with the WIU and <laughs> regional rugby, it doesn't need any extra criti- criticism. There's plenty <laughs> flying about, but you probably do need uh, high-level journalists in, yeah. in, in, uh, investigating it. And that, it, you're right, that is probably missing. And and the other thing that I think is, is quite interesting on this, and this might be where I get a bit uh, conspiracy theorist, flat-earther about it, um, I think if you look back at the time, you know, after that big Alfie blow up, when when things became a lot more sanitised on Scrum Five after that, well, it was Nigel Walker in charge of BBC Wales at that point in time, and I and you know I'm pretty certain he was the one who shook it up and removed Butler from his. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure Eddie Butler is quoted as uh, as, as saying as much that he was moved aside, um, you know, under under Nigel Walker's tenure, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know he's. You know, he, he was still a very good, very good links down there. But you know, whether whether or not um, this is just me kind of reading too much between the lines, um, I just I just think it's too, I think it's really disappointing that given that there were, you know, because I, I, I messaged you Murph and said, "Is my Skybox playing up or is Scrum Five not on this week?" And um, 
uh, and you said, oh, well, you know, they don't always come on during the, the European knockout phases, but there has been two games, you know, which yeah. they have. Are they rearranged they have, fixtures have, they, this, this weekend, or were they, they originally? They are, they are, yeah. yeah they're so that's probably fixtures, why they, but have they still have. But there's a Welsh derby, you know, it's a, there was a Welsh derby. Mm. That should have been shown. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Even even if it's buried at even if it's buried at eleven o'clock, yeah. you know when when it used to well, be on late on the sun. On it's night. buried at about nine ten o'clock on SVC, the highlights of that game, but not not a, yeah. not a, a magazine program of the topics surrounding the sport yeah. at the moment. So it's just literally highlights. So uh, I, I I would having gone over what we've just said about the situation, I would mind if there was loads of presenters and journalists who were just. Delighted that they don't, they don't have to cover the topic. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, it, 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 we've been going round. I mean, the, the situation and, and, and fans and everyone has been going round and round in circles about it for decades now. And I would imagine a lot of people are just sick of it. Uh, the ones who have to report on it, and there is also an issue where they um, certain uh, presenters are fighting shy of criticism. The WIU and the, <clears> you know. Uh, it, 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 uh, South Wales and um, rugby in Wales generally is a bit of a goldfish ball, so I wouldn't be surprised if they all luncheon together. I think it's the obsession as yeah. well with um, current players. You know, they. I think Jed, you mentioned there. You know, they've they've got vested interests in in the conversations at the end of the day. And it, for me, sometimes I'll switch on something like Scrum Five. You'll see two current players, and you'll think they'll have nothing to say. And yeah. you'll have watched the programme and they'll have said nothing in that period of time. And, you know, things need to change. You know, when Eddie Butler was presenting it, you know, ev- everybody loved it, didn't they? Uh, at the mm. end of the day, because he'd ask the, the awkward questions and you'd have yeah. pundits on there who'd have an opinion. But mm. now it's just all vanilla. Mm. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, I remember doing a show with Dan, one of our very first shows, so five years ago, debate, and we did a whole hour on this talking about how you know if you continue down the trend of just having current players in there then it's going to be um you know you're never going to get you're never going to get the, the difficult questions asked yet alone answered no. because um they've all got a, they've you know they've all got a vested interest and you also look the way that other sport has changed in the way that it's covered you know you look at the way the sky cover cover football um and it's you know it's forced it's forced the hand of, of the likes of the BBC to to change and adapt because you know you have Roy Keane laying it down at half time or Gary Neville or or whoever that you know whoever the the pundits are um and it, you know that works for Sky because it creates more theatre you know in the two minute you know a Roy Keane 2 minute rant at half time is again social media gold for them um but yeah i just i just don't see you know i whenever i'm watching a game now it's normally on sky plus and i will zip through anything that's not the game I'll go right. Okay, let's kick off. Bang, and then from kick off through to half time, zip. Get through the adverts. Get get past all the half time because no one will be saying anything of any of any great note. Bang, back to back to the game, and then yeah, you know, scrum five. It's you know, it's, it's become a um, a similar problem. So yeah, quite whether you know whether that'll get addressed at any point. I don't know. It's Sam Warburton they need because I, he does the English version, yeah. doesn't he? I think. <clears throat> BT Sport um, as well, yeah. He'd, yeah, because he does BT Sport and he does rugby special with, on during um during yeah. six. Because in fairness, yeah. you know, he brings the, the the issues to the fore, doesn't he? And he sees things, mm. and when he does, you know, his analysis, he, he's brilliant. I just don't understand why they haven't signed him up and got him on there regularly. 
probably went yeah. to the highest bidder, I'd imagine. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Murphy Wright. Shame yeah, yeah. though for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, he he does it without being antagonistic to anyone. He just, you know, it is a completely objective voice in it. You know, it doesn't matter if if someone is having a particularly good game, he'll hone in on them. There's no there's no bias either way, and it's um. Yeah, you know, you're you're absolutely right. I think he's a he's a cut above. Um, but yeah, there, there we One go. One of the wondrous um, finest to have you know. Good. Exactly. That's probably it's, it's probably many a chat with you, Murph. I'm sure no, that no, um, no, no, no. That, uh, that has helped shape. I'm so that. old, I don't even know Sam Warburton. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take uh, the, another question that we've had in from Chris, which is an interesting one, right? Which just simply says, "What happened to the 81 million from CVC?" Now, this is a really interesting point because mm. I think that the, um, you know, obviously the the pandemic has had a massive effect on on the union, and you know, again, I think that could have been handled better. The shackling the regions with the, you know, with the the, re, the repayments of the loans, um, for example, is you know, is it looks just like passing the buck to me. But with this, you know, I. Obviously, people are quick to point at the at the hotel and and things like this. And I try and be objective about it and say, right, um, you know, in the long term, is that gonna is that gonna make money? They spent they spent so much money on it, and it only makes money if you've got a super successful national side, um, and you're able to sell out the stadium itself, and then attract in the kind of clientele who are gonna. Um, who are going to be able to uh, who are going to be able to frequent the hotel itself? I just don't I don't see how that's that's going to make you know that's that's going to make back um, any real substantial money. And you just think that I don't know. My my gut just said just says well the CVC money has gone into these other ventures because it feels like there is either a thought of the union that the regions aren't my problem or there just isn't that much appetite for it you know it to it to succeed completely. After you, Matt. Right. Okay. Um, well, I can go first if you want. No, 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 no. I'm happy. I'm happy <laughs> to go. I'm because I'm not, I'm not quite sure where I sit on this one. Because in some ways, right, I'll be controversial. Say, a, a div- mm. you know, if you diversify a little bit in terms of your portfolio, you're trying to protect yourself in future years. So, in theory, if you've got a successful hotel that's bringing in revenue, that can be reinvested into Welsh rugby. So, in theory, uh, I get it. But I think the point is something you just touched upon, Jed. Is I I think people are so fearful. And sort of paralysed by the, the whole regional piece, they're grabbing onto anything to, to you know throw their energies behind because they're not because they're worried about dealing with the regional piece. That you know the, the structure, the regional piece, that's what the priority should be. And I you know you see on social media all the time, fans getting really frustrated by the hotel. Completely get it because they just feel as if the union is looking at something else rather than dealing mm. with the issue. And I think that's a fair challenge. Mm. Just from a purely business perspective, if it pays its way, you get dividends from it, and you can reinvest that in Welsh rugby. I'm actually not against it. No, I, I was going to say along the same lines. Building a hotel in Cardiff is a safe bet. <laughs> there, there has been a massive shortage for years, and, and you know, even Easy uh, Hotel have, have pulled up recently, and others have sprung up, like converted the old Coal Exchange to a hotel, and. Every time there's an event and there's lots, you know, a big event in Cardiff, you can triple the price, uh, and it's it's difficult to cock that up as far as business goes. But if anyone can, <laughs> the WIU can, 
they might have. Well, the the coal, the coal exchange did go bust during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, admittedly, during yeah, a pandemic yeah. before. And it of course, properly, only but, a yeah. small section of that building is actually a hotel. There's lots of yeah. silk derelict. So, um, the risk, I suppose, with that building is they might have pitched it uh, too exclusive. There's everything else. Believe me, every other square inch of <laughs> rentable rooms and all the Airbnbs are sold out every Six Nations game. Uh, mm. and, and, and any, you know, if there's a bloody gig on in the stadium or, or there's a half marathon or anything, every hotel room is full and you can't get in the city. It happens all the time. Well, even when the Six Nations, this is getting too Cardiff centric, I know, but even when the Six Nations finishes, the hotels are full with. Um, Stag do's and hen do's for weeks, every weekend, mm. weekend after weekend, for the right the way through until the weddings start and then they fizzle out. Uh, so that's how short we are of hotels. So building a hotel should be an open goal. Um, and like I say, the only uh, issue there is the one Matthew made. Why, why are they looking that way when they, it, there's just some pretty major problems going on? And the, the, the risk is that they've made it too. Uh, too boutique, too exclusive for Cardiff City Centre when basically everyone's just yeah. going to stagger in drunk and collapse on their bed. Yeah, no, I think uh, yeah, that, that's 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 the point I was trying to make that you made uh, that you made better. I think Murph, <laughs> is that uh, is that is that yeah, it's it, it's a it's pitched it's pitched as an exclusive hotel. Mm. I maybe look maybe it'll pay its way through fucking a cheering concerts yeah, yeah. and uh, look, and, uh, and the and the rest of it. So something, you know, something's been needed to be done with that building for decades you know mm. there's a whole load of uh, amazing uh, solidly built uh, buildings on westgate street which have done nothing for years on end so something happened it probably might have been cheaper and just probably nearly as profitable to just convert it to apartments if they own the <clears> building <throat> use the money convert it to apartments sell them all you've got all your money back and then, and then straight back into um, straight back into funding the uh, <laughs> the salaries of players in wales but if like fairness, I say, they'd have probably just wasted Murph if they'd have done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. They'd have made a good return, but it would have all gone. And in fairness, you know, I think Murph, you mentioned football earlier on, didn't you? You know, Stamford Bridge, great example. I've stayed in the Stamford Bridge Hotel. Um, you know, it works in football. And mm. when you're looking at, you know, similar models, I suppose, using using the stadium as the pull. Um, I do know they've pitched this one really high. Mm. Um, I, I know people who've gone there for food and things like that, and it's really on the, on the oh, high yeah. side of things yeah. um, for, for Cardiff. But like I said, if it pays its way, and we'll know in a, you know, in a year's time yeah. when it publishes its first um, annual report and so forth, if it pays its way, I'm actually not against it. And it does no. mean that the, the idiots in the WRU can't waste all the money in one go. <laughs> it's, an ass, yeah. it's an asset, isn't it, for the yeah. next bunch of idiots that mm. come in. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think it's a, that's a complete, completely fair point. It, it doesn't, um, mind you, it doesn't I, answer the full question because I don't think the full amount of money that they received no, no, from no. CBC went into that hotel. I think I, I did hear the figure, but it was it was nowhere near as much as that. Uh, uh, what did you say, 81? 81. Yeah, it wasn't really, that much. Yeah. So um, the, there's, the question's still open. It's not all soaked up by the hotel. But there's a question there that maybe the BBC should be asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do, should we uh, should we finish in the last ten minutes by talking about a few um, a few uh, on the pitch on the pitch matters? Um, uh, I mean, it's been a, a phenomenal weekend for rugby, uh, including a, a penalty a penalty shootout, which I I, I never thought uh, I never thought we'd we'd get to see again. Unfortunately, I haven't seen that game. All I've seen is the uh, is the shootout. But, but there's been some amazing rugby. Um, but putting that to one side, we're going to concentrate on the Welsh rugby. Um, 
<laughs> uh, although to be fair, an interesting, an interesting enough uh, Welsh derby today. Given that um, I thought the Dragons were going to take another another hide in today, um, yeah, they were they were they were pretty competitive during that one. Um, and then yeah, Cardiff kind of labouring um, labouring over the line against Zebra on on Friday night. But we've had this question in in relation to that one, um, which I'm going to let Matthew answer first. Not even really a question, but I'm keen to get your opinion on um, on Reese Carey. This came in from uh, from a Twitter user called IndyP. Just says Reese Carey smashing into defenders and then offloads. Still a young player, um, going well. Could be phenomenal if he keeps improving his game. Now, my thought is that that's probably a burner account from Murph, um, who's yeah. yeah, who's got yeah. A, a restraining order. Right? Um, it would have been uh, more if it was Carey's a burner. It would be more glowing than that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so I think maybe my opinion is slightly different to Murph's because I think he's fallen backwards since he came back to Wales. Um, Eddie, I think when he dare was, you? I think when he was playing in England, I think he was looking amazing. Um, I think there's real potential there. Um, I, I think he could be a brilliant prop for us for years to come. But I personally think he's fallen back um, since he's um, come back to, to Cardiff. Now, Murph, you can tell me how I'm wrong. Um, you know, you're not wrong, but he, he's, I would say, in the last two months, his games and his scrum, more importantly, his scrummaging, if he's going to be a fixture in the Welsh team, of um, uh, being... Uh, up to scratch if he's you know if he's going to be first choice i would say he had a really good scrummaging performance against uh, thomas francis whether it was legal or not is not the point because people cheat against our scrum mm. every every freaking match so you know part of elite level uh, ellis genge is another one ellis genge is an amazing player mm. but he, he does not scrummage fairly um and that's because he would get exposed if he did, you know. Um, and so that's half the game for a lot of them. And uh, if he if he's pick if he's he's 24 now, it's taking him a while. If he's picked that up now, Reese Carey, uh, he's ready ready to go because his carry is better than most number eights in Wales. All number mm. eights in Wales. There, there are no number eights in Wales. Are yeah. There? So, no. Well, Calamaphoni, you know, he he. he, he <laughs> I meant Welsh runs. Yeah, yeah. And so did I. Uh, against Munster. He absolutely like flattened someone in in the build up to a try in that month's game. Obviously, the rest of the game was not great uh, from Cardiff's point of view. And again, there's some huge hits coming in. If anything, he um, he's trying to hit too hard and can sometimes get slipped out of the tackle. If you know what I mean, because he's coming in so hard, it just bounces off him. Um, so that's something to tidy up on. But I think he's uh, the best. Look, when, when you're playing in the Saracen side, I mean, Ethan Lewis is in the Saracen side and looks great. Not all, He's not first choice, but mm-hmm. he, when he's in there, he looks amazing. The Cardiff had to let him go because he was not cutting the mess of the Cardiff. So, you know, there's, there's, when you're surrounded by uh, an amazing pack, um, you're, gonna, you're just going to look better. Uh, and Reese Carey is not surrounded by an amazing pack at Cardiff. So... Um, I just think he's reaching the potential, I thought, because we, we just don't, like, at under-20 level, he was in a scrum with Liam Belcher and uh, Azarati, I think. Azarati. And they were stuffing yeah. everyone in the scrum at under-20 level. It just don't. It just doesn't happen for Wales under-20s. They have good scrums, but they were battering everyone. And it was, the I, I don't know, one of the Grand Slams he might have done well in or one of the World Cup years he might have gone well, beaten in the final or something, I can't remember now. But that, it was on the back of that kind of forward power and some other good players, obviously. And it just, at the age of 19, I was like, holy shit, who's this? Because he, he looked like a, uh, he went to my daughter's school and, and I, the headmistress, 
Izzy, I think I've said this on here before, said w- one year we... Be careful, Murph, because I, I had to edit one of these out <laughs> yeah, at some yeah, point. Yeah. So, uh... One year we broke, up, uh, uh, we broke up for summer, and when we came back, it was like there was an extra teacher in the school because there was this freaking giant knocking <laughs> round, and he was, you know, he was still very young. So he's just been massive from early on, and he, he can only, only be getting stronger as players do throughout their 20s. So um, we shouldn't dwell on this player so long because it's, it's like a mill around my neck that he hasn't become what I said he would five yeah. years ago. But uh, well, I think he's getting there. I do. We all know we all know that pro, we all know that props mature, and I, I agree. I actually agree with you on this, Mark, because you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, didn't you? And and I um I've subsequently watched yeah the game against Munster and the game against Zebra and. Um, uh, and yes, he will face tiffer, uh, stiffer tests at international level. Uh, but uh, you know, it comes down to the way you want to play rugby. And the really successful sides, of which Wales are not one of them, uh, have really mobile, powerful props. You know, uh, we, we all know what the French front row do. We all know what Tyg Furlong can do. And you know, you need ball carriers to to get over the line. Yes, you've got to do the nuts and bolts. And I kind of think that Wales are at that point at the moment now, where your options in the front row, you go for a really steady one with a kind of Gareth Thomas. Ryan Elias, Tom Francis, and then you have got these younger players developing in Carre and and Lake, um, and, you know, and then you probably still stick with with Francis on the on the you know on the on the tight head as well. But it does it does give you more options. Um, it's just um, you know it's just whether or not it's it's too much of a gamble. I think in South Africa it is too much of a gamble oh, yeah. to, to throw them in. Um, certainly to throw both of them in, but you know I think they're they're the long term prospects at. Um, uh, in the front row for for the national well, that, side. That's why he kind of is where he is in the pecking order is because he had his opportunity and it just happened to be against South Africa in the autumn and he got stuffed in the scrum. But yeah. everyone gets mm. stuffed in the scrum against South Africa. That's just the way it is. It's kind of tainted his reputation internationally now. But he, he's not uh, he's not as bad as that showing. Um, whoever it got picked that day was in for a hiding. So um, I, 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 my opinion of him hasn't changed. But he'll go on tour this well, summer, yeah. won't he? You'd have thought oh, so. oh, yeah, I'd have thought yeah. so. Yeah. I, when Jones I is be, injured um, and might not be fit, so... Yeah, I, I, it looks as though when Jones probably won't be fit, and he's had a very odd season, mm-hmm. hasn't he? I, I don't think... I don't probably think, do with um, a break, I think, Flogging, flogging him, yeah. I think he could. Yeah, I think... I'd love, to see, Rob, I'd love to see right I'd love to see Rob Evans back. I know he's not do, playing enough minutes, but he, he is the archetypal Wayne Pivak lucid. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant prop on in his day, sort of thing. But yeah. he just hasn't done it for Scarlett for a few seasons now. I just, no. I don't know if he's lost the motivation or something. But I'd love to see him back to how he was a few years ago. He was, he was as big a part of the great side of a few years ago as Tyke <laughs> and um, yeah. Barkley were. Yeah. Um, but a few injuries, and now he's just not the same man. But I'd love to see him back to even if he was three quarters of his best. I'd still be for me. Possibly first choice if if Wayne Pivak's style of rugby can actually be played in the national side. But the thing is, Murph, we talk about uh, loose says here, and we but the problem in Wales is is the other side, isn't it? Because mm. with the exception of Francis, yeah, um, we, we we're, we're struggling. I know somebody like maybe Dylan Lewis has improved a bit over maybe the last season, but I'm not a fan. Um, no, and I just can't think. You know, we've 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 got Samson Lee obviously down in the Scarlets, but he doesn't. He doesn't play that often for us anymore, and he mm. doesn't seem to be in Pivac's plans at all. Um, there's just there's nobody else that really stands out. No, it's Leon Brown after that. Uh, yeah, um, 
I can't, say, a, I can't say I'm a fan of Leon Brown. When he no. comes on, I'm just thinking, what's going to happen in that scrum? Well, any time Thomas Francis comes off, it's the same whoever comes on, uh, mm. and especially in South Africa, when you're going to be up against either Oxenche or uh, Kitschoff, you know, whichever way they go, whichever way they work their bench, our second choice tight end has got to deal with that. So um, it's a problem whoever, whoever comes on for him. Unless we just force Thomas Francis to play three 80-minute matches, uh, three weeks running, no problem. <laughs> I, I got to say, when is I, there anyone, if anyone, I was picking I, the Welsh I, I, team, that, yeah. Thomas Francis would be the first player I'd be picking. You know, do you know what yeah. I mean? He's just, for me, it's the one position where I don't think there is just any other option. I know we're weak in, center, in the centres and so forth, but Thomas Francis is the one for me. Mm. We're weak in the centres, but it's also to the point where no one really knows what that, what that section is. And, you know, Pivak has chopped and changed in the centre almost as much as he has at at scrum half and um yeah it's yeah it, that's that's the kind of that's the kind of problem whereas yeah tom france is the one player you look at and know that he is the best player in his position and actually outside of that there's there's not you know maybe josh adams would be another outside of that, i'm not sure there's there's that many toby that's there's not there's, there's not there's certainly no you know um not a huge amount of certainty about that about that starting 15 no uh, here's a, a proper rugby club rumour for you that might just be someone talking absolute shite to me. I mean, buying it because I've had a couple. Uh, if Wales take a good kick in on this South African tour, um, by that I mean, you know, there's three games and, and obviously we're going to lose all three. But if there's nothing of any solace for the fans or, or if you, you know, if we're looking at 40 points each match or whatever way you want to describe it, uh, it might be they might call time on Wayne. Not totally yeah. surprised by that, but the only thing I would say is who who have we got to take over from him? Yeah, exactly. Be, yeah. You know what? What are the options? Is it an SOS to to Gatland to ask him to come back? I don't think that would be the. Uh, he, he wouldn't take uh, it, would he? Clever. I mean, I, I, Sean he, Edwards, he wouldn't. It, it, would jeopard, it would it would jeopardise his legacy it. to come back and take over this. He got out at the right time. You, you can know, see it coming. He, 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 he knew, knew, he right, knew yeah. what was coming and he got out at exactly the right time. The only other person who knows the structures would probably be somebody like Die Young to bring in. And I don't. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not convinced about that either. There's just it, there isn't anybody. I'm not sure if I believe the story uh, either, but if it is true, it, you know, if you go um, poor Six Nations, lose to Italy, three hidings in South Africa, you know, uh, it would, it kind of does ring true to them, might have to say, yeah. sorry, you know, we, we, we're going to have to let you go. But uh, we, we uh, uh, Jed and I just thought uh, the WIU wouldn't because it's expensive. Simple as that. Mm. We just thought it wouldn't happen because you've got to you've got to buy him out to the rest of his contract and get the new guy, and he's gonna, you know. So I just thought maybe this is what they've kept the uh, extra CBC money for. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe they have. Murph, the the only thing that would be that would be more Welsh than uh, sacking a sacking a coach uh, a year and a bit, you know, a year and three months out of a out of a World Cup year, is sacking him three months before <laughs> yeah. a World Cup. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, so I, I, could, I could realistically see him holding on for another year and then, yeah, and then yeah, it, giving it to, giving it to Alec Evans in, or in, the, car, in the car park. Uh, I in mean, the car it, park, yeah. I think we've covered this before. There's only twelve or fourteen games before the World Cup anyway. Yeah, twelve games, and obviously that probably doesn't include warm-up matches. But you know, so 
I, I just think as disappointing as things have been, and you know, the the Italy one was just, you know, just the the, the fact that we went in there in such a negative fashion with some of the team selection and so forth. Mm. You know, that would probably have been the one. It would be. I think that was justifiable in terms of sacking somebody. But if mm. we had, and if we had three or four options, I'd probably be, you know, inclined. But we we just don't. And just bringing in somebody lastminute.com, like you said, it'll be an Alex Evans situation all over again. It'll be a shambles. Yeah, uh, unless, yeah. unless, hear me out, they got that CBC money and they go, Pat Lamb, get rid of Bristol. We don't care how much you like Bristol. Get rid of Bristol. We're, 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 this is an offer you can't refuse in a, in a kind of a, a, a Don Corleone way. And um, <laughs> you're in, and that that that's the only way you would get a decent guy at this stage is to just break the bank on someone, because uh, you know, as we know, all the contract, not all of them, but international contracts run out after the World Cup, so the, that's when the flood of uh, uh, men come on the market, coaches come on the market. So, and surely, if you're a de- half decent coach, thinking there may be some opportunities, would you just not wait the eighteen months, especially if you're in a in a good number already, hold yeah, yeah. on, wait 18 months and get a better option. Mm. Yeah, I, I, you know, I I, I, I said, yeah. that, well, the same time that when uh, Warren Gatland came, I, I did say who would want the job. Uh, mm. Luckily, they, they found someone who wanted the job, so um, hopefully they can again. But um, we'll see uh, July these fixtures against South Africa. Is it July, June? June good, July. Good yeah. Murph, you always put you know you always put me on the. Uh, I like the spot I like it. I right. never know. I never know the. Bl- I never know the bloody answers. Neither do I. That's why. I um, just, I mean, if Steph had been on, I was going to have to do my own work because uh, there's a guy <laughs> knows his onions. You know, he's I mean? got his stats like. Well, he just he's just he's got his finger on the pulse of everything that's going on based on last week's um, uh, scoop. So. Um, yeah. Well, that's it. Well, I'd like, as I say, we uh, he did he did send his uh, send his apologies, and so I'm no doubt we'll catch up with Steph over the next uh, over the next week or so. Um, but fellas, thank you. That's been a, a fascinating chat. Hopefully, you've enjoyed listening to it as much as uh, I've enjoyed being a part of it. So, a big thanks to Matt and a big thanks to Murph. Uh, as always, uh, thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get some great quality coffee, you can do that at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Right, that's it for this week. We'll be back to talk rugby with you very, very soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Everyone thinks I had a storybook career, that I just sprang into Disney Channel stardom overnight, made millions, and lived happily ever after. Spoiler alert, I didn't. There were countless failures along the way, and there still are. How I deal with that struggle and how I pivot when failure creeps in is what allows me to keep going, keep learning, and keep striving for balance. The Vulnerable Podcast is an invitation to hang out every week with me, Christy Carlson Romano, as I invite friends, celebrities, and experts for in-depth conversations discussing the good, the complicated, the beauty of being human, and what it means to be vulnerable. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate the ups and downs of my guests' paths to success. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com
Sports Social Podcast Network.